Section 11 of the New York Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shelley Stephen. Farmington Hills, Michigan. ShelleyStephen.com. The New York Gardener by P. Agricola. Section 11. June. Continued. The study of entomology is principally useful as it discovers the habits of insects and leads to a practical method of avoiding the injuries which they so often occasion. And in the case before us, experience has furnished ample means of defense. It is only necessary that its precautions should be everywhere attended to, and those troublesome visitors would disappear at once. First, Examine with the utmost care all your plum and black cherry trees. If you find only a few of these protuberances scattered about the limbs, dissect them off. Amputation is the only possible remedy to save the residue, and this should be done before the warts become blackened, for then the fly has escaped and will most certainly puncture your trees again. But if you find the affection has become general, and that the animal has got possession of the important branches, cut down the tree without delay and supply its place with another. Let no hope of having a little more fruit prompt you to spare a tree thus circumstanced or to save a limb upon which one of these knots are fastened. For remember that each of them contains a worm, which in a few days will change into a fly, and in that state, may sting your trees in a thousand places, from whence, in another year, will issue as many enemies armed with the power of inflicting a mortal wound upon all your favorite trees. In this warfare you must enlist your neighbors. Explain to them your mutual danger, and show them the necessity of uniting against the common foe. This done, your means of defense are easy, and your triumph certain. There is another insect, equally fatal to the plum, and all the varieties of smooth-skinned stone fruit. This insect resembles the one last noticed in several particulars. It injures and destroys the fruit, as the other does the tree, by its mode of propagation, and like them is found only in districts which have been long cultivated. Early in the spring, as soon as the returning warmth gives life to the trees, these destroyers creep from the ground about their roots, crawl up their trunks, and spread themselves about the branches, ready for the work of destruction. As the fruit advances, they puncture the rind with their pointed rostra and deposit their eggs in the wounds thus made. This knit soon becomes a worm and begins to feed upon the recent pulp, until, in most cases, the fruit dies and falls off. The insect then, no longer in want of food, gnaws its way through the skin and migrates to the earth, where it remains in the form of a grub during winter, ready to be changed into a bug as the season advances. Thus, every tree furnishes tenants sufficient to devour its own fruit. Fortunately, however, the devastation of this enemy is prevented by a practice in itself greatly useful to the trees. 
remove the earth to the depth of three or four inches around every tree and as far from the trunks as the branches extend. Cover the ground thus excavated with house ashes or stacked lime and fill the cavity with pounded slate or coarse gravel. Let the hole be beat down smooth and level or rather a little dishing that the rain may descend towards the trees. Dr. Hilton, in a very judicious treatise upon this subject, remarks, There is no surer protection against this insect, curculio, than a pavement. This, however, is only applicable to a few trees. It may serve in town, but will not answer in the country. Flat stones may, however, be placed round the tree, and where lime is at hand, they may be cemented. Many other expedients, such as smoking, brushing, watering, etc., may be successfully employed for the protection of a favorite tree or two, but it is manifest from the preceding history that a right disposition of stock, especially hogs, among the fruit trees can only be relied upon by a farmer with orchards of considerable extent, and that the stock poultry, etc., may perform the task assigned them, it is evident that a proper disposition of fruit trees is essentially necessary. As the smooth stone fruits are the grand nurseries of the curculio, special care should be taken to have them effectively protected. Unless this can be done, a farmer should not suffer them to grow on his plantation. He will derive no benefit from them and they will furnish a destructive vermin that will ruin his other fruit. Cherry trees, nectarines, plums, apricots, etc., should therefore be planted in lanes and hard-beaten yards, or paved yards, the common highway of all the stuck of the farm, and not beyond the range of the ordinary domestic fowls. Orchards of apple trees, pear trees, peach trees, etc., should all be in one enclosure. The pear trees and peach trees may occupy corners of the whole design, so as occasionally to be fenced off. In large orchards, care should be taken that the stock of hogs is sufficient to eat up all the early fruit which fall from May until August. This precaution will become more especially necessary in large peach orchards, for otherwise, when the hogs become cloyed with the pulp of the peach, they will let it fall out of their mouths and content themselves with the kernel, which they like better, and thus the curculio escaping from their jaws may hide underground until next spring. Solitary trees of one fruit or another remote from the orchard should be regarded as nurseries of the curculio and ought to be cut down or removed to the common enclosure. A young orchard should not be planted in the place of or adjacent to an old one that it may not be immediately infested with the curculio. It is also apparent from what has been said that great advantages might result from an association or combination of the whole neighborhood against the common enemy. Although an intelligent farmer may accomplish much by due care within his own territory, the total extermination of the curculio can hardly be expected but by the concurrent efforts of whole districts. 
In addition to this, the peach tree of late has been attacked by another of the insect tribe, which seems to threaten universal ruin. In the transactions of the American Philosophical Society, Mr. Ellis of New Jersey, with great judgment, has explained the nature of the insect and pointed out a cheap and effectual preventative against their ravages. His remarks merit attention, and I shall extract them for your use. The decay of peach trees is owing to a worm which originates from a large fly that resembles the common wasp. This fly perforates the bark and deposits an egg in the moist or sappy part of it. The most common place of perforation is at the surface of the earth, and as soon as the worm is able to move, it descends into the earth, probably from an instinctive effort to avoid the winter's frost. This may be ascertained by observation. The track of the worm from the seat of the egg being visible at its beginning and gradually increasing in correspondence with the increasing size of the worm, its course is always downward. The progress of the young worm is extremely slow, and if the egg is deposited at any considerable distance above the surface of the earth, it is long before the worm reaches the ground. The worms are unable to bear the cold of winter unless covered by the earth, and all that are above ground after the frost are killed. By this history of the origin, progress, and nature of the insect, we can explain the effects of my method, which is as follows. In the spring, when the blossoms are out, clear away the dirt so as to expose the roots of the tree to the depth of three inches. Surround the tree with straw, about three feet long, applied lengthwise, so that it may have a covering one inch thick, which extends to the bottom of the hole, the butt ends of the straw resting upon the ground at the bottom. Bind this straw round the tree with three bands, one near the top, one at the middle, and the third at the surface of the earth. Then till up the hole at the root with the earth and press it closely round the straw. When the white frosts appear, the straw should be removed, and the tree should remain uncovered until the blossoms put out in the spring. By this process, the fly is prevented from depositing its egg within three feet of the root, and although it may place the egg above that distance, the worm travels so slow that it cannot reach the ground before frost, and therefore is killed before it is able to injure the tree. For it is in the second year of its existence that it performs its deadly operations. The truth of the principle is proved by the following fact. I practiced this method with a large number of peach trees, and they flourished remarkably without any appearance of injury from the worm for several years. I was then induced to discontinue the straw with about 20 of them. All those which are without the straw have declined, while the others which have had the straw continue as vigorous as ever. Thus you see every species of insects may be considered as subservient to our use either by directly contributing to our wants or indirectly by the advantageous lesson which they teach. 
I have detained you among the creeping things longer, I fear, than you will think it agreeable, but the importance, if not the magnitude of the subject, seem to require it. We will now return to our vegetable tenants and see what more we can do for their prosperity. End of section 11.